Welcome back to another episode of Rebel Radio America. We're going to be looking into um, how to transform the student's motivation to learn. Uh, this is an article put out by the National Association of Independent Schools. And we're going to uh, do a little um, history lessons. We're not going to get into the new segment uh, today. Uh, we're looking at mindsets, the mindsets, very important, about the mindsets and achievements. So let's expand on this uh, study they had conducted. Uh, this is an exciting time for our brains. More and more research is showing that our brains change constantly with learning and experience, and that this takes place throughout our lives. So this is an excerpt from um, from the National Association of Independent Schools. Um, this I think this was from 2006, but it's fascinating nonetheless. Uh, so I'm going to continue reading right off this whatever. Okay, so the implication of for the students' motivation and learning, what is it? Um, in my research in collaboration with my graduate students, we have shown that students, in that what students have believed about their brains. So it's like about belief before, like it's a mindset about your beliefs, about how you train your brain uh, for life. Whether they see their intelligence as something that's fixed or something that can grow and change. And this profound effects on their motivation. Like what's their motivations? So we're gonna break, break down the learning and the school achievement has profound effects on different belief systems, mindsets, create different psychological worlds, right? And it's all encompassing, so get this. Um, so one which students are afraid of challenges because of potential devastating setbacks, and they're devastated by setbacks. Seeing the student which relishes challenges are resilient in the face of setbacks. So we've got like two systems going on. Um, and this is, I'm gonna pause this like real quick and check this out. You gotta relish challenges and be resilient in the face of setbacks. This is called the growth mindset. There's fixed mindset and there's like a fixed abilities makes uh, sense right so far um, so how do these mindsets work how are our mindsets communicated to students and most important can they be changed as we answer these questions you will understand why so many students do not achieve do not achieve um, their potential why so many bright students stop working when school becomes challenging and why stereotypes have have such profound effects on students achievements so this is like my generation, like this is like no child left behind kind of like system. Um, get this, how about the stereotypes of like, okay, this is the good student, this is the bad student, and they're pegged for that, like for the rest of their academic careers. Um, it's all about mindsets. It's actually harming their motivation to learn. So that's why I was like, this makes sense up to a point where it says, uh, as we answer these questions, you will understand why so many students and so on, right? We gotta understand where it started. You also learned how to praise and how praise can have a negative effect on students' mindsets, harming their motivation to learn. So everybody got a participation trophy. Everybody gets like a certification that says you participated, you're like a classmate. And it's like they praise them. They're like, oh, you did good, you did good, like positive enforcement. Like you'd think that'd be good, right? Like it's like, oh, you really got it. You really like good. You're like, that's you're, you're a good student, right? So they believe in that. And like, and when something doesn't go their way or something, they're so used to like getting uh, like sheltered and be like, uh, 
I don't want to say it's sheltered like mentality or like that they're like, but they're not harnessing, they're not working, they're just like getting a pat on the back. It has a negative effect on the students' mindsets and it's harming their like, motivation to learn because they're like, you know, that's how that's how where the the problem begins in elementary school. Like many students believe it's not their teacher's fault either. It's not like it's the way that the teachers were taught too. So it's like um, we're gonna fix this. So like, hang on. Many students believe that intelligence is fixed. That each person has a certain amount, and that's that. We call this fixed mindset. Say you're like at a certain level of intelligence, and that makes you you. Make challenges threatening for students because they believe that they don't want to try. They're such perfectionists that they don't want to try because they're afraid of failure. So get that. Because because they believe that such setbacks reflect badly on their level of fixed intelligence. So they they're afraid of getting insulted or like sorry like we're not like like you know. Uh, you know going out like that but it's, it's it's this is a study that was conducted like they had control groups they had everything so get that so not to like um just to drive it home really it is believed that intelligence can be developed that opens students to a love of learning so like you grow up you hear like students complain and be like i don't want to be here i hate this um they make no effort, like a belief in the power of effort and, and cons- being constructive, determined, um, and how their reaction to the setbacks is. So our students believe that intelligence is something that can be cultivated through effort and education. They don't necessarily believe that everyone has the same abilities or that anyone can be as smart as Einstein, but they do believe that everyone can improve their abilities. And they understand that even Einstein wasn't Einstein until like, even Einstein wasn't Einstein. Albert Einstein wasn't even Albert Einstein until he put years of focused focused hard work. In short, students with this growth mindset believe that intelligence is a potential that can be realized through learning as a result confronting challenges, challenges profiting to understand the different worlds mindsets create. Um, so, I'm going to pause right there. Um, it's just ways to becoming smarter getting smarter so get this um for when i started this project um this uh, this podcast basically my my um interest was to take a journey together as you start from episode one i recommend you just like fuck it like listen to a, like a bunch of hours of that and hopefully you take away something right um we're gonna create uh, a different uh situation look to understand different worlds this mindset creates we follow several hundred students across different and so they follow the the these students through their academic career across difficult schools transitions so we got um if i could real quick um look up my notes just so i could complement all these other stuff um wow i got so many notes on business I got the minutes of uh, meetings um, anyways I can't find that real right, right thing but you know it's not, it's not just about looking smart in school you gotta be interested um, I, I, I feel like I had to say it like look, there's uh, working class there's um, middle class then there's the, the merchant class then there's like the executive and then there's the elite school training and all this other stuff um so 
that we understand like the level there's a tier system since the 70s that had like over time like pegged them to certain neighborhoods and it all started from like the 70s you know but because i looked at the data we looked like we had a whole like uh we, we just had put a lot of like uh, heads together like say that they don't know they're participating in um in um uh, uh, experiment like you say like you say now people would just love to learn uh, it's good say so how is this going to benefit me what's this you know so get this from the seventh grade a lot of people transition and it becomes like after the seventh grade it becomes like academic work gets much harder graduating gets stricter the school environment gets less personalized with students moving to class to class and to like you know different uh, different environments different teachers different way of approaches different uh, so they're all over the place they, they like it's dehumanizing is not personalized with students and that's why charter schools are so much better now than public schools uh, and it's funny like it, it just as students entered the seventh grade for example they measured their mindsets um, along with a number of other things uh, so they monitor their, their, their grades and stuff over the, the years you know and um, so yeah we know about the growth mindset it's not just looking smart and just like oh I'm just gonna I'll participate attend class and like they'll just leave me alone but you could like get a high school diploma and finish high school and that's fine but they're not gonna wanna go into college for like or whatever for whatever reason like they don't feel like that's gonna benefit them it's just something that was like a requirement. So a lot of people do the basic minimum requirement. And this was not just the case for the students with a fi- fixed mindset that were just like, like, you know, in fact, in many of our studies with students from preschool age to college age, so they did this like way back, right? In the day, right? Uh, preschool to college. And we found that even the ones that are critical, to, like the ones that are, you know, that was critical to their success, Next, we found that students with the two mindsets had radically different beliefs about effort. Those with the growth mindset have a very straightforward, a, very, a correct idea of effort. Um, the idea that the harder you work, the more your ability will grow. And even geniuses have to work hard to, for their accomplishments. In contrast, students with fixed mindsets believe that if you work hard, it meant that you didn't have ability, that things would just come naturally to you if you did this means that every time something is hard for them and requires effort it's both a great threat and a bind if they work hard at it it means that they aren't good at it but if they work don't work they won't do well clearly since just about every worthwhile pursuit involves effort over a long period of time this is potentially crippling belief not only in schools but also in life students with different mindsets also have very different reactions to setbacks. Those with growth mindsets reported that after a setback in school, they would simply study more and study differently the next time. But those with fixed mindsets were more likely to say that they would feel dumb, study less the next time, and seriously consider cheating. If you feel dumb, permanently dumb, in an academic area, there's no good way to bounce back and be successful in the future. In a growth mindset, however, you can make a plan or positive action that can remedy a deficiency. Finally, when we look at the math grades they went on to earn, we found that the students with a growth mindset had pulled ahead. Although both groups have started seventh grade with equivalent achievement test scores, a growth mindset quickly propelled students ahead 
of their fixed mindset peers. Mm. Excuse me, I just got a sip of coffee right now. <clears throat> um, so yeah, it's like a motivation to learn. But this is the, the key point about the growth and fixed mindsets. Um, the gap only increased over the two years of study. So there's like, um, like you're just in time just to like learn. Like you, right now is your moment to like get motivated to learn. The belief intelligence is fixed, dampened students' motivation to learn, made them afraid of effort and made them want to quit after a setback. This is why so many bright students stop working when school becomes hard. Many bright students find grade school easy and coast to success early on, but later when they are challenged, they struggle. They don't want to make mistakes and feel dumb, and most of all, they don't want to work hard and feel dumb, so they simply retire. It is belief that intelligence can be developed that opens students to love of learning, a belief in the power of effort and constructive determined reactions to setbacks. So just like you can learn something, like you can throw away something else that doesn't serve you and like create something new. Like that self-esteem be like, okay, no matter what, I'm gonna decide what's important, right? Self-esteem, you know, don't listen to the system, dude. Don't listen to media, the children feel good about themselves. You know, people have them believe that they're gonna be set for life and they don't get like self-esteem mass, you know, like don't care about what they say. You do your process. You do it on your own time. Uh, just if it takes you longer than most people, it will take you longer than most people. Like, because the important thing about math, the English, writing, editing, uh, very important, like peer review. Like, I had put out a paper, I can't find it. It's like, uh, but I had good, all right, all right, marks, you know, like, uh, a lot of people said that all my uh, work is like too long, um, too much, just too much, like, um, kind of like, make it lean mean like make it like more developed but i feel like i made a whole paper i have it's my all my all works on my laptop um yeah all my works on my laptop and i lost all my like academic shit all my like projects all my uh, ideas all my all my modelings all my models all my like formulas everything everything um i was getting started and for some reason or other stopped working um i won't get into that much but um yeah, I just have. I just need to get a new laptop. Um, and so yeah, this is the uh, the last part of it. I think. Oh no, there's more. We're not even halfway done here. Okay. In the '90s, parents and schools decided that most important thing for kids was to have self-esteem. It would be they would be set for life. People believed become more important than knowing math. Self-esteem <laughs> self-esteem seemed to become more important than reading and writing. But the biggest mistake was. I love I love to write and stuff. I I was really good. I just writing, writing, typing away. I would go through keyboards too. Um, but the biggest mistake was the belief that you could simply hand children self-esteem by telling them how smart and talented they are. This is important to not just be telling them they're smart and talented. Oh, you're very talented. You're very smart. That that's that would seem productive. That would seem like constructive, but it's not. Even though this is such an intuitive. Uh, appealing idea and even though it was exceedingly well intentioned i believe it has disaster effects so the working class gets like daycares pretty much and like the executive class gets like the two nines right like like this is the, the problem you have an old school district 
uh, in the inner city, and then you have like like a nicer in the suburbs, and you could see that like the contracts, like like me, like from being educated in Mexico to being educated here is like different. Um, I'm not talking shit, dude. I'm just saying like I wasn't like you know it's different expectations, different like standards, and so when I got over here, like I think it was like on the third grade, my I didn't know English, I didn't have to learn English. Because they were reading Dr. Seuss, like cartoons, like pictures, like like bigger than the, the words or as big as the words, like, you know, and I was just like, I don't get this. Why am I they say I'm in a fifth grade level? Is this third grade, right? Like I'm at a fifth grade level and third grade. Why, though? Like, I'm not understanding. They're reading Dr. Seuss, bro. And I'm like, man, I, it gets me like in type of way because it's like, I don't care about your scores. I don't care. Like it gives them confidence. And this is what helps them achieve. But at the same time, uh, the workforce needs to be like, just know some things just so they can know, like be a, a operable workforce. So they're told to young workers cannot last through the day without being propped by like rewards, recognition, praise. Like I've seen people in just like, like uh, people at work, they're like, they're like kids, you know? Um, I was always like more advanced from my age and like more mature. And like, now that I'm smarter, now that I, anything like, you could be like in sports, you could be athletic, you could be like, you could do whatever you want like in this life, you know? Uh, but the parents ask the children why they won't work hard in school, like, and they can't get it. And it's like, well, in time, in the, in the movement at the time was that, uh, that they didn't know uh, about how they smart they were. Like, people didn't know how smart they could be. Like, that's what was concerning about it for me. I'm like, damn, you know, like, it, it's important. Uh, so they want to, this kind of praise tells them their high intelligence and talent right uh that's important you know that it, it, not to be like messed up and like but i didn't even cut it at my own school like in mexico i wasn't even like the smartest i was like one of the bottom like of my class you know and even then you know what i mean um even though i was not the smartest or whatever i didn't make that like final cut a lot of times um but you know the, they assign value like that makes you valuable. The most important thing is like they make that makes you valuable. Think about this. It might tell them that intelligence is something you have uh, as a part as a, opposed to something that you develop. Like it could be something like they think they tell them, oh, it's intelligence is something you have, not something you develop. It might deny the role of effort and dedication and achievement. In short, it might promote a fixed mindset with all its vulnerabilities. So they were trying to fix this. Um, and I don't know that even uh, care at this point uh, with the defunding uh, budget cuts and all that. We have two groups of children problems uh, for the IQ. Um, we praise the children in one group for their intelligence, telling them, wow, that's a really good score. You must be smart at this. And then the praise children in another group for their effort. Wow, that's really a good score. You must have really worked harder. Um, so when you tell them, tell them like you're, you must be smart. You said you must have really worked hard. That's all we did, but the results were dramatic. We did studies like this and with children of different ages and ethnicities from around the country, and results were the same. Here's what happened with fifth graders: the ch- fifth graders, ch- children praised for their intelligence did not want to learn. Did not want to learn. When we offered them a challenging tax that they could learn from, the majority opted for the easier one, one which they could avoid making mistakes. The children praised for their effort, uh, wanted the task they could learn from. So, say that you're like, 
I am people that are like creative, like the artists, more than like the, the academics, intellectuals, because um, it doesn't matter how bad it is, you just gotta like do it, and then they'll give you like tips, pointers, like how to do it. Um, instead of just saying like, they'll tell you like, this is like really bad, you maybe gotta, I won't accept this, maybe you like gotta go back and like bring it when it's like more, like it's only been like 15, 20 minutes, you got like all the, like, you gotta give you plenty of time, you know? Um, so it's like, craziness um yeah so it, it's about making mistakes it's about like the effort wanted to task like they could learn from you know it's like trial and error you know uh the children praised for their intelligence lost their confidence as soon as the problems got more difficult so they say oh i'm, I'm probably like stupid or something and they say they beat themselves up and not like you know what i mean uh the children praised for their intelligence lost their confidence as soon as the problems got more difficult so it's not that they not weren't smart. They also like lost their enjoyment and as well their performance plummeted. On the other hand, those praised for effort maintain their confidence, their motivation, and their performance. Actually, the performance improved over time such that by the end, they were performing substantially better than the intelligence praised children, children of this IQ test. Finally, the children were, who were praised for their intelligence lied about their scores. So the children were getting about to lying about their scores more often than the children were praised for their effort. We asked children to write something anonymously um, about their experience, so a child in another school, and we left a little space for them to report their scores. Almost 40% of the intelligence praised children elevated their scores, elevated, elevated their own scores, whereas only 12% of children in another group did so. To me, this suggests that after students, students are praised for their intelligence, praised for their intelligence, it's too humiliating, too too embarrassing for them to admit mistakes. The results were so striking that we repeated the study five times just to be sure. So get this. Pause. 40% of them uh, cheated and elevated their own scores, where only 12% uh, uh, in a different group, a different like situation, uh, like a double blind, they did it five times. So, the the growth mindset people, only twelve percent of them, um, uh, put it act like like you know, um, cause you know it was it was a it, you can admit mistake like that's fine, um, but that's so striking that they repeated it five times, the same things happen, intelligence praise compared to effort or process quote-unquote praise put children in a fixed mindset instead of giving them confidence it made them fragile like sheltered like i was saying before like it made them fragile so much so that a brush with difficulty <laughs> erased their confidence their enjoyment and and their good performance and made them ashamed of their work this can hardly be a self-esteem the parents or educators have been aiming for Often, when children stop working in school, parents deal with this with this by reassuring their children how smart they are. We can now see that this simply fans the flames. It confirms the fixed mindset and makes kids all the more certain that they don't want to try something difficult, sometime, something that could lose them their parents' high regard. How should we praise our students? How should we reassure them? By focusing them on the process they're engaged in in their effort their strategies their concentration their perseverance their improvement 
if if you really stuck to that until you got it that's wonderful if it was a hard project but you did it one step at a time it turned out great i like how you choose the tough problems to solve you always choose the tough problems to solve you're really going to stretch yourself and learn new things i know that school used to snap for you um what a waste that was now you really have an opportunity to develop your own abilities and this is like i suggest you develop your own abilities you know um so this workshop the growth mindset like you got you got to have a growth mindset workshop you know like i i learned from the programs they had uh, the government back in the day in like 2007 2008 like you know obama coming in and this is like my own personal anecdote like how uh, obama he got the okay to like put all this money and uh and you got to do your research you got to like really know and stuff but um i just saw how it's um a threat for an educated populace like i don't know why they don't want people that are smart and they say that we want people to be smart and it's your fault if you're not smart like i don't think that's how it works i think this i don't know there's this whole system in place i don't know how we're going to but anyway i digress um you can grow your intelligence new research shows just that's the headline you can grow your intelligence new research finds can be developed like a muscle Uh, and the connections different they love the idea that growth mindset uh, of their brains was in their hands so when we tell them like you got to talk to them like adults like you got to like be like perform and be judged like on uh, this this article just with the lessons learned here the act, they did the work they did it like the long time like they they followed them from like preschool to college and they showed significant increase in math scores the control group in eight session in eight sessions of study school like study skills they just needed eight sessions of this over time and it, it to correlate you know they had to learn many useful skills like useful study skills that study groups they did not have the motivation until they put them into practice teachers who didn't even know there were two different groups signaling out students sig this is important when they single you out as a growth mindset um they reported that um And, and 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 it's like i i don't i have to deal with a lot of like the like you know being single down and stuff but it's worth it dude you got to uh not be like stereotype negatively you know nigga do whatever and and still low key like i still learn like i learn more on my own than from ever in school you know um and i just apply it to school like different um like for example girls are good in math or african americans or hispanic students or like this or that and just fill in the blanks like they love to label and categorize and just like divide the people you know but it's it's across those man what race you are what ethnicity you are like you could be jewish you could be german you could be abrainstein it's just that he contributed so much to or like the theories and like he was just so ahead of his time you know um and he said i'm not smart like like he wasn't you know he was humbled you know he was humbled by a lot of shit that he didn't know um so almost done here um so the belief that some have it others don't much of the harm of stereotypes comes from the fixed mindset message they send the growth mindsets while not denying the performance differences might exist portrays abilities as acquirable um and send a particularly encouraged message to students who have been negatively stereotyped one that respond to with renewed motivation engagement 
Uh, inspired by these positive findings, we started to think about how we could make a growth mindset workshop more. Um, so yeah. Why is it important to make it work better? <sighs> Excuse me one second. I'm trying to find the, the bit, the highlighted parts. But it's all in context. I don't want to get off a message. It's about how the brain works. The more we try, the more the brain works. Feel me? I imagine the neurons making connections in my brain. Like I feel like I'm learning something. If you learn something with these connections that keep growing, over time it's going to be like a seed planet and it's going to branch out. Um, when I'm in school, this or that, you fill in the blank. Teachers are also reporting changes in their students saying that they become more active and eager learners. Like you got to keep your hand raised and participate and make it like so that, correct me if I'm wrong, you know. They offer to practice, study and take notes, pay attention and ensure the connections will be made. Uh, but what do we value in our society? We seem to worship talent and we're often portrayed and it's often portrayed as a gift. Now we can see that this is not motivating to our students if they think it's a gift and they worship talent and they think they don't have it or they do. Like I'm still like deprogramming, you know? Those who think they have it, this gift expects to sit there with it and be successful. Like you're supposed to just sit there and like, oh, well you got it, you just don't gotta do anything. Um, when they aren't successful, they get defensive and demoralized and often opt out. Those who don't think they have the gift also become defensive and demoralized and often opt out as well. We need to correct the harmful idea that people simply have gifts that transport them to success and to teach our students that no matter how smart or talented someone is, be it Einstein, Mozart, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, no one succeeds in a big way without enormous amounts of dedication and effort. It is through effort that people build their abilities. I don't want to lose you. It is, to, <laughs> it is through effort that people build their abilities, realize their potential. More and more research is showing that one thing that sets the great successes apart from the quality of talented peers, equally, equally talented peers, how hard they've worked. Next time you're tempted to praise your students' intelligence or talent, restrain yourself. Instead, teach them how fun and challenging tasks can be, how interesting and formative errors are, and how great it is to struggle with something and make progress. Most of all, teach them that by taking on challenges, making mistakes, and putting forth effort, they are making themselves even smarter. Okay, so the end, right? I was just a little, uh, all to like go into uh, this other one. Um, and this is like my work, some of it. Um, so let's see what I write down like as, as uh, pertains to this. And they got errors everywhere. Like the teacher did not like, did not, uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Yeah, so you gotta be like, like you know, maybe you, it's all correctable. It's all correctable. Look, in today's fast-paced world, like this is me. Like this is me. Uh, February twenty-eight, twenty eighteen. Um, it's titled "To Understand," right? In today's fast-paced world, every day, men and women don't have time to read. Um, instead, let us narrow down a few key points from the reading as well as highlight what the purpose of the essay was. Who are you talking to? In, an introduction, in the introduction conversation, 
um, that was being had at the time between econ- econ- economists, sociologists, and others. Econom- ec- economists and sociologists, um, we must, we could not seem to agree. Um, one second. Um, are, 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 are students rewarded? Um, excuse me one second. Are students rewarded differently according to social class? This is like important for me to understand. Are are students rewarded differently according to social class? That was like thesis, but who is the audience? Who are you talking to? Don't matter. Some scholars claim uh, it was simply knowledge as well as skill that led to power and regard. This asks further to act, actually investigate and find some kind of answer. Uh, we found that the way the majority of Americans are taught depends on where they live, household income. Based off statistics available at the time, 1978 to 1979, it tells us 76% of U.S. population was at or below middle class income. So this is almost 80% of population being below or middle class. It is therefore likely that most lived in a mixed neighborhood of blue collar and white collar families. Children were then placed in what can be described as working and middle class schools. She goes on to detail, like this is like from an essay I think uh, we read right now. Um, It was a she. Um, She goes on to detail how teaching methods differ from one school to another. Um, Paper points to the quality of professional and elite executive schools. Um, This is important. Quality of professional and elite executive schools being a whole lot better in comparison to working class schools. Something as simple as getting up from a desk or going to the restroom is handled differently. Something as simple as getting up from a desk or going to the restroom is handled differently. Working class students have to ask permission to get up and sign for a hall pass. How would the same situation play out in an executive elite school? They just got up and left. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we, and it's that circled who we're talking about, can keep going down the list and check the boxes as we go. However, this one example illustrates something larger at work. From the beginning, the main focus of education system is to prepare the students for the future, for their future. It is both the working and middle-class students who have been conditioned to follow instructions as given and complete assignments handed down. It is expected it, it is expected the unseen societal structure of control. The unseen societal structure of control. For many, it was never a choice. They can only do what's in front of them. That is why people love to hear success stories, those from the bottom that, against all odds, made it and became success- successful. If it was really common, it would not be a topic worth talking about. If you were not, it's not really common, you know, from rags to riches, we love that. If it was really common, it would not be a topic worth talking about, right? So now, what about professional and elite schools? These schools allow students access to more tools, more resources, um, and the opportunities. It can be said that in itself, it's an opportunity to get ahead tools and resources important as it relates to an actual process and, and a, a side a side note here if I like if I can uh, interject here um, very important the schools and resources in middle school this is like name Mexico now like in middle school 
we had a, a textbooks from like 1980 like the year 1980-81 and they showed the map still showed the Soviet Union and it was like in the early 2000s like and we still had books from like the Cold War era I'm playing dude so anyway um as it relates to an act to an actual process for these students it can be more demanding teaching someone how to approach problems is an appropriate way to go a long way the critique the critique is not to lower um income neighborhoods produce lesser minds the critique is not that lower income neighborhoods produce lesser minds or that the higher the income the better the students however it does play a part in the development of the students social class determines the type of study and teaching methods that are applied in turn as children become young adults it shapes their own perceptions about where they fit in the world the end you got to make it super short cuz um eh you know they want to run through it like that uh that's not a bad score like 110 out of 150 but it could be so much better i never ever like corrected in this oh, there's so much to do look at this i mean as far as school like if you're if you're not getting home from work doing homework <laughs> um cuz it's due like in a few hours like cram in maybe um uh, you know stay up to like the midnight and then send an email like get an email it it's due like at midnight like or some shit um got to send it via electronic yes so this is the student teacher relationship we got a um now it's going to get into like a whole different and i don't want if 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 you need to pause this audio at any point and go back and look up and expand whatever it is you can do that you can look up please do uh look up um so it's just like instead of you sitting there lifeless and just hearing a, a teacher i become engaged we want to i have education like not compartmentalized and predictable this could expand on um on on learning see uh and this is known and like there's people way smarter than me way smarter than me um but the contents of which is detached from reality they become hollow right so the student records memorizes repeats um and this is where the student relationship like um the teacher feels like the students are ignorant like they don't, they in their ignorance like i know better you know and it's like a capitalist system when i deposit onto you like i deposit my capital into your banking system you're like vessels your containers and for you all y'all who haven't uh read the book um yeah these just the chap- chapter 2 which was like the most important uh pedagogy of the oppressed so we continue the act of filling deposits storing deposits like memorize the banking concept called it's a misguided system um and i know it's like hard i know it's hard like to like like um and it's like you're filed away you're archived uh in some cabinet right you're like let me pull up your file see the last analysis um and and knowing this like you know for inquiry for the uh from the practice in the individuals cannot truly gain human knowledge so they like dehumanizing us the knowledge emerges only through invention and reinvention through the restless impatient continuing hopeful inquiry of human beings pursue the world with the world and not with each other that's all we're saying like that's all that 
That's the concept, basically. Uh, the gift bestowed upon who consider themselves knowledgeable, like say I consider myself knowledgeable, and upon those who they consider to know nothing. Isn't that fucked up? Anyway, projecting an absolute ignorance onto others, a characteristic of the ideology of the oppression. The ideology of oppression negates education, knowledge, process of inquiry. Uh, this teacher presents himself or herself uh, to the students as their necessary opposite by considering their ignorance absolute, justify their own existence. The students alienated like the slave in the Hegelian dialectic accept their ignorance as justifying the teacher's existence. Um, but unlike the slave, they could discover, uh, they never discover that they educate the teacher. Um, so there's a contradiction in that both simultaneously are the students and the teachers. That would be more progressive, like they do in Brazil, yes? They have a lot of smart people in lots of places, but get this. Um, uh, in, the, in, in the United States, is top 10, like, you know, but they're slipping, you know, like, I think ninth. Like, I don't know. Based on Matrix, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. We have the most innovation. We cream of the crop because they put lots of money into that. If you show their priorities and where they put money at, private money, more importantly, not just government money, you got to know that you know nothing. Uh... Students are taught, students know nothing. Student teacher talks, students are disciplined. Students comply, program content. Alright, so professional authority in which she or he and he sets in opposition to freedom of the students. The teacher is subject to learning process where our pupils are mere subjects, objects. I mean, uh, me, uh, pupils are mere objects. So pupils mean like students. It is not surprising that the banking concept of education regards men as adaptable, manageable, they're manageable things, manageable beings, objects. The more the students work at restoring the deposits entrusted to them. So now we're trusting you for the next to go out into the world and we're trusting you that you have this critical consciousness, but it's not result from intervention. It's intervention in the world, transform that world. You understand? Like transform the world. So it, like it's in their intervention. So that to accept a passive role imposed on them the more they tend to simply adapt to the world as it is and to the fragmented view of reality deposited in them. So this is like uh, the banking education, to minimize and annul students' creative power and to stipulate their credulity. Credulity serves the interests of the oppressors. Serves the interests of the oppressors who care neither to have the world revealed nor see it transformed. Oppressors use their humanitarianism to preserve a profitable situation. The oppressors use their humanitarianism to preserve a profitable situation. I, I don't know how many times I gotta repeat that. Thus, they react almost instinctively, instinctively against their experiment in education, which they place to critical faculties and is not a content with a partial view of reality. Um, always seeks out the ties which link one point to another and one problem to another. Indeed, the interest, see, everything's connected. One problem to another is just like avalanche and people are like, whatever. So get this. Uh, so indeed, the interests of the oppressors uh, lie in changing the consciousness of the oppressed, not the situation which oppresses them. For more, you can find this all, this all out there. Um, can lead to adapt to that situation. The more easily they can be dominated. Um, to achieve this, the oppressors use the banking concept of education in conjunction with a paternalistic social action apparatus, which 
the oppressed receive the infamistic title of welfare recipients. They are treated as individual cases on the marginal persons who deviate from... So, like, this is the marginal person who deviated from uh, the genera- general configuration of a good, organized, and just society. The oppressed are regarded as a pathology of the healthy society, which women therefore adjust. These become, they're, they call us incompetent and lazy folk to its own patterns by changing their mentality. These marginals need to be integrated, incorporated into the healthy society that they have forsaken. Um, the truth is, however, that the oppressed are not marginals, are not living outside society. They have always been inside the structure which made them beings for others. The solution is not to integrate them into the structure of oppression, but to transform that structure so that they can become beings for themselves. Such transformation, of course, would undermine the oppressor's purposes, hence their utilization of the banking concept of education to avoid the threat of student consensia, consensia, cons, concept of avoid the threat of student consciousness. Con, uh, excuse me. Uh, the banking approach to adult education, for example, would never propose to students that they critical that they critically consider reality. Sorry, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to get too like too much into it. I'll keep it a short one. I got another fifteen minutes for the hour. Instead, we gotta deal um, with such vital questions as whether um, the gr- the grass is greener or give green grass to the goat. Insists upon importance of learning that the contrary, gave green grass to the rabbit. The humanism of the banking approach. Mass the effort to turn women and men into automatons, the very negation of their ontological vocation to be full. Oh, wait, this is important. Humanism, right? Effort to turn. So, this is like. You gotta understand. Effort to turn men and women into automatons, the very negation of their ontological vocation to be more fully. more human, fully human. Um. This is really long. This is a really long one. I don't know if I have time for all of it in this uh, broadcast. Um, and it, you can want, uh, like, there's a spectator sport, it's not like a recreator, but I digress. Dehumanize, uh, this is where the important part, the rarely getting to integrity. Um, they fail to perceive that the deposits themselves contain contradictions. Fail to perceive that the deposits themselves contain contradictions from reality. Reality, right? Like, sorry if I cut out sometimes. Um, it's just uh, sometimes I, I can hardly comprehend sometimes myself. But sooner or later, these contradictions may lead to formerly passive students to turn against their domestication and to then attempt to domesticate their reality. They may discover that through existential exit is important existential experience that their present way of life is irreconcilable irreconcilable with their vocation to become fully human they may perceive through their relations from reality that reality is a process undergoing constant this is important that reality is really a process undergoing constant transformation if men and women are searchers um for their humanization sooner or later they perceive the contradiction in which banking education seeks to maintain them and then engage themselves in the struggle for their relevant oh yeah yeah basically that's all we're saying um humanization 
um, engage themselves in the struggle for their liberation. But the humanist revolutionary educator cannot wait for this possibility to materialize. From the onset, uh, our efforts must coincide with those of the students to engage in critical thinking and quest for mutual mutual humanization. So they're human, desensitized, they're dehumanized. So we gotta work on humanization, uh, even if it's animals. You gotta relate to other, like lesser or equal, because we're all part of the process. Even if, even if I, like in the ground and, and the worms take over and I, I'm, I'm part of the process, I'm in the soil, I'm in like the ocean, I'm in like wherever, I'm in the winds, you know? Every breath you take, like you're still breathing, breathing the same air that a billion people before you had breathed that were when they were alive and then since the time of Christ. Your efforts must be endued and imbued with a profound trust in people and their creative power. To achieve this, they must be partners of students in their relations with them. Um, so I'm going to go through the highlighted purpose, like really power through here. Um, so we have the depositor, the prescriber, the domesticator. We have the... Uh, like they all, they all, everybody fits into this like narrative. Like you're the the one prescribing, or you're the domesticator, or you're the depositor, right? So the roles of the students among the students would be to undermine the power of oppression, serves the cause of liberation. Now, why is this concept? It's like assuming they're wrong, but you can assume like nothing. The dichotomy between human beings and the world. A person's merely in the world, not with the world or with others. The individual is a spectator, not a creator. Uh, or, or not the recreator. In this view, the person is not a conscious being, uh, corporal consciente. Um, he or she is rather the processor of a conscious, an empty mind passively open to the perception of the positive of reality from the world outside. The world outside. So the quote unquote mind, the mind is quote unquote, right? Um, it's about perception, and that's why they want to keep us our reality from the world outside. The world's outside. And it's like, uh, we're not with the world we're like apart you know we're, we live it merely live in it in this view for example in the desk books my coffee cup like this this cup of coffee objects before me as bits of the world surround me would and be inside me exactly as I am inside my quote unquote mind study right now my desk um, whatever this view makes no distinction between and I'll cut it short soon um and, and we'll continue with this, like, volumes of the stuff. Um, if I had all my work, if I had lost, like, a lot of projects, but um, nonetheless, uh, we continue to make the distinction of entering consciousness and, have, and, and basically is being accessible to consciousness to enter consciousness. Distinction, however, is essential. The objects which surround me are simply accessible to my consciousness, not located within it. I'm aware of them, but they are not inside of me. It, you know, um, it follows logically from the banking notion of consciousness that the educator's role is to regulate the world enters into the students. Okay, um, so it's something like that. Um, the task is to organize the process which already occurs spontaneously, the deposit information which he or she considers constitute true knowledge. And since people receive the world as passive entities, education should make them more passive still and adapt the world. The educated individual is an adapted person because she or he is a better fit, quote unquote, fit for the world. Translated into practice, this concept is well suited for the purpose 
of the oppressors which tranquility rests on how well people fit into the world the oppressors have created and how little they question it um footnote number two um i don't know if we're gonna have time for this other ones better i hope y'all are 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 doing good hope you're feeling good i hope you um you would say some benefit in this here broadcast um we'll go back to analysis and timelines and stuff um but yes um i'm gonna shout out my twitter my instagram and all stuff because i put these out barely um really not really uh that organized yet um i've been working on so many projects so many things and it's like the bar it's getting going it's getting going um so yeah follow rebel radio america uh wherever podcasts are available uh please share the broadcast if at all you can uh share it to twitter share it to to whatever um if you feel like uh others should listen in this uh i feel like it's important um but i don't care where in the world right um right you can um take this to others uh maybe uh coded to um where it's like uh speech to text or whatever but um yes uh follow my instagram at rebel radio 99 uh rebel radio 99 rebel radio uh, america um yeah so i'm on apple i'm on all of them i'm on all of them um so i'm not gonna do any like uh promo as much um so yeah rebel radio on 99 um tiktok whatever you want um we're gonna be uh rolling out a bunch of uh stuff um and this is this is all part to say it's part to say the um we have sensitive information that i don't know uh how we're gonna do this but um it's dealing with the elections and i don't want to even go into that um but it's a volatile situation um and we gotta be really careful about uh not to exacerbate things not to uh uh we gotta consider a lot of the 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 blowback um we gotta uh figure out a lot of things um i'm here to contribute and help at all possible um as per um whatever but yeah we got we got a bunch of stuff um i just want you guys to share this and uh follow me on the platforms uh you can follow me at alba rudy uh nine no i just like that on twitter at alba rudy um i'm pretty sure also int this is brought to you by int um, we're not even public yet. We're like a private, uh, but we're getting a team together. Um, and once we get my, once I get my team, uh, but it's gonna be under uh, international um, and out of state uh, for the, you know, California has a lot of taxes, so we're gonna set up like in different places outside the state of California, maybe international. Uh, maybe we're gonna acquire acquisitions. We're gonna be either mergers. We're gonna deal with a bunch of stuff. Um, and it's gonna get ten times better, like every every time, you know. Uh, we're here to always be on the up and up, you know. Um, 
in a way that it's like hardly noticeable but in time like on my project because i'm a fundraise we're gonna crowdfund we're gonna do whatever we gotta do um we're looking for uh supporters we're looking for uh people that are network we're building a network you know what i mean um i don't care if you're in indonesia in bulgaria i don't care where you know rebel radio america this we're here in america like we're broadcasting from america uh, and this is that uh, what we're dealing with uh we're dealing with uh just like the whole world's dealing with covid um and, and just to put out this information real quick um this is uh they're coming out with vaccines look at this darpa defense advanced research project agency you know the defense advanced research projects agency the people that brought you the internet all right uh yeah so it gets deep it gets uh into place people that i don't want to mention uh for fear of my own safety you know um sometimes you can't put out uh we're gonna roll out however i need to roll out but uh thank you for tuning in um and listening and giving your time and um yeah like we're really getting started uh with the projects but we got documents like we want to be incorporated too you know uh and sometimes um it's not as easy as like oh i'm gonna sign this or i'm gonna like pay for that and it's it's really hard work it's like really knowing what like you gotta you gotta act like it's your only chance gotta like um do it so let me just hop in on to let me hop into my situations okay so my twitter is at alva rudy 91 and that's int that's the mean uh frame right um also i have pin tweet if you could like my pin tweet uh retweet that shit um do whatever um, so that's my Twitter, my Instagram. If it and 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 you can um, so I know that you followed me. I'll follow you right back. Um, my um, it's my tw- my Instagram is Rebel Radio Nine Nine. So just add that and let it show. You know. All right, so. Signing off. One second. I feel like I'm almost forgetting something. Okay, we got Twitter. We got Instagram. Also, I want to shout out to uh, Radio Public. Um, on there, if you could download the app, uh, it'd be much better to tune in. Um, Radio Public app, and it's like bunch of like really neat like, uh, stuff. Um, so this is Rebel Radio America. I'm Rudy Alva. We're on a mission to discovery. We're on a mission, like, like we see truth. We do not shy away from the fringe. Take this journey with us. I'll, I'll see you guys next time.